Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. I'm going to talk about the bride today. The interesting thing in Scripture is how much um, Jesus and in the Old Testament they talk about wedding ceremonies and they talk about brides and grooms. One of the things that I think sometimes we forget is that there's a specific reason God set things up the way he did. Thing is, man has taken a lot of those things and he's put them into traditions. Now, a tradition is the handing down of information, beliefs, and customs by word of mouth without a written instruction. Now, when you read the scriptures, you're not going to see a lot of things about how to run a wedding ceremony. You're not going to see a lot of things about how to go find the right place to do it and the right venue and all this kind of thing. He just says that we are to be married. So I was looking back in Genesis, and Genesis 2, verse 7, I always find this interesting. We'll go in 7, and then we'll go to 18. But in verse 7, it says, And then the Lord formed, molded as clay, as a potter, man from the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath or spirit of life. And the man became a living being. Now, the Lord God said in verse 18, It is not good, sufficient, or satisfactory, and this is the Amplified, that the man should be alone. For I will make him a helper, meet, suitable, adapted, and complementary for him. Now, the interesting thing, some people look at that, and in the King James it says, a help meet. And they just like put that thing together with why she's like the help meet. No, she's a helper to help us to meet our needs that we can't do on our own. And she's suitable and adapted and complementary to us. It says, and the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. Excuse me. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs or a part of his side and closed up the place with flesh. And the rib or the part of this side, which the Lord God had taken from man, he built up and made into a woman. And he brought her to the man. And Adam said, this person is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. So here we see the first bride. And you'll see there wasn't a very long ceremony or a long waiting. She was taken out. She was built up. That's why we as guys say, is she ever built? (laughs) It's right here. It's in the scriptures. So so you can get away with it. But it is interesting that in the man, he formed and he molded like on a potter's wheel. He took that clay and molded it. And then he breathed into man the breath of the spirit of life. You notice it doesn't say he did that in the woman. Because what he took out of the woman was part of that spirit. Because when he joined us together later in marriage, when it says the two shall become one, her spirit and my spirit were joined. And that is the strongest relationship we have, is that our spirits are joined. Now, in Genesis 3.6, we see an issue here. I'm going to talk a little bit about the fall, and then we're going to get into a little bit more about the bride. But the bride, so she is a wife of Adam. She is the bride. 
she is my bride. We, like, we kind of changed from bride to wife because we get the wedding ceremony, now she's my wife. And though she's always my bride. And that's, that's the thing, when Jesus takes us home, we're not going to be his wife, we're going to be his bride forever, for eternity. So, when a woman saw that the tree was good, and we know that the devil gave her a bunch of lies, suitable and pleasant for food, and that it was delightful to look at, and a tree to be desired in order to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she gave some also to her husband, and he ate. In the King James, I believe it says, and take her husband with her. So he was standing right there, and I know I've talked about this in the past. But it's an interesting thing that husband and wife together, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, yeah, go ahead and eat that apple. Let's see what happens. Oh, you didn't die. Maybe it would be pretty good to eat. So he ate it, and then the eyes of both of them were opened. You notice that they weren't opened until after he ate the fruit. This is, this is one of those things that I find kind of interesting because Jesus, being our husband, would not let us eat that fruit. But Adam did. He, he saw him. He knew. Now, we know that Eve says God, God has said, but we know that God spoke to Adam. We know directly to Adam before he was ever born. Don't mess with that. And yet, he fell with that. Because instead of having his authority, he let it be usurped. And then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons or girdles. So there was a covering. We know that later on the God came and slayed some animals. Their skins were made and they learned how to, they wore skins for, for, for a while. And eventually went and learned how to uh, cotton and all the other things that they needed to make, food, make uh, clothes for themselves. But in the Old Testament, we know that God calls Israel his bride. Because in Ezekiel, one of the things he says in Ezekiel, Now I passed by you again and looked upon you, and behold, you were maturing at the time for love, and I spread my skirt over you and covered your nakedness. Yes, I plighted you my troth. I plighted my troth to you and entered into a covenant with you, says the Lord, and you became mine. So God set up with Israel a husband-wife relationship. And then we see as time went on, if you read in Malachi, he says in Malachi, he says, I hate divorce. Why did he say I hate divorce? Because Israel, his bride, went whoring after other idols and put him aside. They wanted stone creatures and wood creatures that they could look at. They didn't like the idea of an unseen God. I'd rather have that calf. I can look at it. At least I know I'm looking at something and I can pray to it. So even in the Old Testament, God talked about having a bride. And he called Israel his bride. And Israel <clears throat> fell backwards. In the New Testament, we have a new set of things. We have Jesus coming and claiming the bride that God had set forth to him. Now, the interesting thing that I was looking at in these traditions, because I was looking at some, <clears throat> excuse me, Jewish traditions as far as weddings go. 
An interesting thing about the Jewish traditions of wedding, and you'll, you'll find this pretty good, there's a contract that is signed. And this contract is signed, and it is the groom that signs it, not the bride. But when he signs that contract, he gives the bride everything. Everything. We have a contract. This is our contract. People think contracts are bad. I like this contract. Because <laughs> even if I mess up, I have a way back. So we have this. And then tied into this marriage relationship, when they went and got married, I know you've, a lot of you folks have heard this, and I know I've said it at other times. There was a time that when this contract was written, um, that the groom went away. He went away because he had to go prepare a place for his bride. And so he goes away, and he goes to prepare this place, and the bride waits. But what is she doing while she's waiting? How many of you gals have hope chests or had hope chests? Okay, see, you go back a couple generations, my generation and then past, you had a hope chest. Women put things in there like their linens. Uh, back in my grandmother and great-grandmother's days, they had samplers where they sewed and they did all this embroidery, and all this was laid in there. And this was for the wedding and for the life after the wedding. She would have all sorts of things in there. Some people call them her possibles. There would be silverware, there would be dishes, there would be these things that she made that she showed herself to be, I can do these things. You know, you look at the Proverbs 31 woman, we've kind of gotten away from that. The Proverbs 31, she was preparing for that day and then beyond. So she's doing this all this time while what's, what's the groom doing? He's building. What did Jesus say in, in John 14? Excuse me, John 14, 2 and 3. He says, well, this goes to verse 1. It says, let not your heart be troubled, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. Excuse me, if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. He's preparing a place. You know, people kind of forget about this, but this is all part of this Jewish ceremony of the wedding. A lot of people push that, eh, we're in the New Testament now. We're under grace. You know, when Jesus came and died on the cross, he didn't do away with the Old Testament. He fulfilled it. That means that every, every blessing that's in the Old Testament is still ours through Christ and through his shed blood. So he has gone to prepare a place for us, and he's got a contract with us. And this contract is binding because it is covered with his blood. There was a sacrifice made. Now, back in those days, 
a person would have a dowry. And even, even the husband might have a dowry to say, look, I can provide for my wife. I have the finances, I have the means, I have the skills to provide for my wife. And that was one of the things that a father would look for. Can you take care of my little girl? Can you do that? And so a guy sometimes had to, you know, when he met the father, you know, husband, you know, dad, I'd, I'd really like to, to ask your daughter's hand in marriage. Oh, really? What do you do for work, son? What's your education? Do you know Jesus? Are you going to raise up your children in the way they should go? So we have this, this wedding that's coming. We're waiting. We are the bride. Now we're preparing. This is what we're doing during this time. We're preparing. We're preparing by setting our hearts right with the Father, being in communion with Him, and we're also preparing by leading the lost because we want the bride to be full. We want the bride to be full. You know, if you see the wedding gowns today... <laughs> the big flowing gowns and all the nice stuff they have. We want that gown full. We want it full. We want to be that beautiful bride before the Father, before Jesus, when he takes us to the Father and says, here's my bride. Because there's a day coming when Jesus is going to finish with the houses. Now, you remember in, um, when Jesus spoke to the disciples and, and he says, you know, I'm going to my father, but I'm coming back. And he says, I don't know when. Now, this is the Rick paraphrase, so you'll have to bear with me. But I don't know when. Only the father knows when I'm coming back. Now, when a, a groom went to prepare the house building, he'd be banging away and he'd come back. Well, dad, is that enough? Oh, come on, son. <laughs> you can do better than that. Bang, 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 bang. Come on, dad. I got a bride waiting out there. Yeah, but you can do better than that. So... This, this time that's coming, we're supposed to be preparing. So the bride would be working on the things that would, she would bring into the marriage. What do we bring into this marriage with the Father? It's kind of an interesting thing. We don't really have anything to bring but ourselves because it is His Spirit in us from the time of Adam till now and the Holy Spirit now in us. We bring ourselves and His Spirit and all that he's given us. And that's what we bring into the marriage. Now, there's going to be a feast. And, there's, and during this feast, people are waiting. So people are waiting, people are waiting. And all of a sudden, back in the day, there would be a trumpet blast. How many people have read the scriptures where there's the sound of a trumpet, the archangel? But there'd be a trumpet blast, and there'd be a lot of revelry, and they say, the bridegroom is coming. And she didn't know when. It could be at noonday, it could be at midnight, but there'd be that time when, yeah, son, looks good. Go get your bride. And he'd head out the door, and he'd gather his friends, and they'd be making noise, and then, we're going to go, we're going to go get her. And she could be in bed, she could be, but there'd just be the sound that the bridegroom is coming. And she'd have to jump up and, and prepare and get all this stuff had to be right now. There wasn't time to start doing the doilies. 
There wasn't time to start putting together the hope chest. There wasn't time. He's coming. He's right around the corner. And there was this special expectation of it happening. Now, there is, in the Old Testament, we have the seven feasts of Israel, right? There are three feasts were fulfilled on Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. The Feast of First Fruits, uh, Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the Passover. So then comes 40 days later. This is kind of an interesting thing because people have heard tarry in Jerusalem until you receive the Holy Ghost. And people took that to say, well, I have to tarry until the Holy Ghost comes. Well, I laid hands on you and received the Holy Ghost. Well, I need to tarry. Well, tarry, he'll come. They only had to tarry because there was a feast, the Feast of Pentecost. That's the only reason they had to be there or wait that long. Because the Holy Spirit, God's in order. So the seven feasts of Israel are set out for a reason. Everything you look at in the seven feasts of Israel is pointing to Jesus. So on that Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. Now Jesus said, behold, I go to prepare a place for you. And we talk about the next feast that comes, which is Rosh Hashanah, which is the feast of the harvest, when he comes to get his bride. And after the feast of Rosh Hashanah is Sukkot, the feast of tabernacles. Everything builds on this thing for his bride. I'm building a place for you. And in this feast of Sukkot, of the tabernacles, the Jews would go out and they'd put themselves in little tents to celebrate it at that time to remember being in the desert. But we look at it as that God, through Jesus, or Jesus has made places for us in heaven as his bride. So all these things from the Old Testament, they look to the new. And the new looks back and says, yeah, that's what's coming. So in Matthew 25, verses 1 through 10, it says, Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, thoughtless, without forethought, and five were wise, sensible, intelligent, and prudent. For when the foolish took their lamps, they did not take any extra oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with them also with their lamps. And while the bridegroom lingered and was slow in coming, you ever think about Jesus if you'd just come tomorrow? If you'd just come tomorrow, if you'd come right now, it would be good. But he's lingering because his part isn't done. Our part isn't done. We're still in preparation. You know, today, I'm kind of going back a little bit, but today, um, so you go back in Israel time when they had contracts, and even today in some of the newer uh, Jewish relations, they still have that contract. They just don't have that, that time period where the husband went and prepared for the place. But today, what we have, and I'm thinking about this with these, bri- with these uh, virgins, we have this thing now where you know, we have no-fault divorce. We can't have no-fault marriage anymore either. And it's kind of a weird thing, but 
we've taken so many things from the Word and we kind of cast them aside. And so now, well, you know, it's just a piece of paper. We could just, why don't we just live together because it's just a piece of paper. Well, you know, come on, you know, we're engaged. Why wait? I mean, after all, we're engaged. And we've taken these things and we've, we've cut them down to mean nothing. Part of the thing about traditions that we're losing is that those traditions were setting some things, building to a point. Today it's like, come on, let's just, come on. Let's go see the justice of the peace. Let's just go do whatever. Well, you look good, you smell good, I'll marry you. You know, can you cook? Kind of. Okay, that's good enough. Do you have a good job? Well, I'm on unemployment right now. Well, is it pay good? Yeah, okay, we're good. But, but honestly, we're sitting here in a place where anymore that marriage has been downplayed so much, so much, that it's hard to get people to understand how important it really is. Because, I mean, if you think about it, if you look on, if you look on any, about any TV show, they're hooking up immediately. It's like, oh, hear the way he poured that wine. Huh. Hallmark? <laughs> but, the, but everything right now is, is like quick, 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 quick. You know, uh, I mean, I knew Luann for two years before we were married. Of course, we were just babies. <laughs> but I knew her for two years before we were married. Some people spend 10 minutes. Some people, you know, it's, oh, it's been a week. I guess we're doing okay. I mean, you know, we haven't had a fight in a, in a week. Well, I've only known you a week. Well, that works. <laughs> And part of the reason that I'm doing this is we just recently did some, some marriage mentoring and it got me to thinking about this, that the way we have downplayed so much and taken traditions out of so many things, traditions can be good, they can be bad. But part of the tradition of having this wedding was always looking to Christ. That's what the whole idea of a wedding was, that you were going to take the bride, the groom was going to come, They'd be joined before God and man. And then they'd go on and have their life together, supported by the body. And when you think about that, when Jesus talked about how the body is knit together, you know, our job as parts of the body is when one part falters, the other parts step in to help. And the bride and the groom are there to help each other, and we as part of that body help them. That's what we're supposed to do. Too often we get people married and we say, see ya, I hope you make it. <laughs> and the sad thing is, today, even in Christian homes, divorce is like, what, 50, almost 55%. It's over half now of Christian marriages are falling to divorce. Because we're not thinking about things anymore. It's just like, let's just get it done. Let's get married. We got our cell phones. We have instant communication. Let's get it married. Let's get done. So we've got these virgins that are out there. And the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. While the bridegroom lingered, 
and was slow in coming. They all began nodding their heads and they fell asleep. Church, we can't afford to sleep. Things are happening too fast out there. People's souls are at stake. Their lives are at stake. But at midnight, there was a shout. Behold, the bridegroom. Go out and meet him. Then all those virgins got up and put their lamps in order. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise said, there's not going to be enough for us and you, so go instead to the dealers and buy for yourselves more. And while they were going their way to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were prepared went in with him to the marriage supper, or the marriage feast, and the door was shut. You know, that marriage feast, when it comes, is going to be beautiful. You know, we see... Uh, how many of you have seen that picture that just goes on forever, the table and the chairs, the marriage feast being prepared? I kind of think it's more like pillows on the floor. <laughs> but you know how we've made Jesus look like, like an Englishman with a narrow nose and nice blonde hair and blue eyes. But the door's going to be shut. And when it's shut, the bride and the bridegroom are going in together and bringing in the family. It's going to be shut, folks. What are we going to be doing between now and then? Are we in preparation as the bride? Are we in preparation for our husband? You know, some of us as guys, we kind of, uh, we mean bride. I'm the guy. Well, you're in the body of Christ. You're the bride. So get your skirt on, buddy. <laughs> so we are in that place. Now in Ephesians 5, verse 8, it says, For once you were in darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. Walk as children of life. Lead lives of those native born to the light. In verse 21... He says, be subject. This is the thing, you know, people, remember how guys used to say, why, or they like that scripture, says, wives, be submitted unto your husbands, you know, unto your own husbands. Verse 21, so we're native born to the light. It says, be subject under obedience or submitted to one another out of reverence for Christ the Messiah, the anointed one. Have you ever thought about that? Husbands, you're supposed to submit to your wives. Wives, you're supposed to submit to your husbands. How does this work when we both submit? Well, it works pretty good. I remember, um, oh, I'm trying to think of his name. A little short, wide pastor. <laughs> McGee. No, not McGee. Um, oh, Aggie. He had a book, he, or he had a thing, he says, men need to submit to their wives' needs, and wives need to submit to their husbands' leads. And there's, there's a lot of truth in that. What does a wife need? We find in Christ everything we need. Does he find in us everything he needs? Are we faithful? Are we true? 
So then it goes down and it says, Wives, be subject to be submissive and adapt yourselves to your own husbands. And remember what this says, to your own husbands, not to men, but to your own husbands as a service to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is head of the church, himself the savior of his body. See, this is where Adam fell down. Right here. He was the savior of his wife's body right then. But he kept his mouth shut. He failed her. And then, as the, excuse me, in verse 24, it says, As the church is subject to Christ, let wives also be subject in everything to their husbands. So, getting back to us as being the bride, are we submitted to and in subject to our husband, Jesus? Now, you've got to understand, in the old Jewish ceremonies, the contract was signed here. So, the deal was made. As far as the world was concerned, if we would take Luann and I, at that time, Luann was my wife. Nobody messed with that. We had a contract. I had to go prepare a place for her. And all that time, she is preparing to be my wife in fact. And I don't mean, I shouldn't say in fact, because we were in fact married at that time, but to be my fact, my wife physically. She was preparing for that time. And that's what we would do. I'd be preparing a place. She'd be preparing herself to be that person that came into that household and assumed that position as my wife, my bride. Are we doing that as the body of Christ? That's our goal. We are not our goal, but that is our task today. We are to prepare ourselves for the soon coming king. And he's coming at a time that nobody knows. Nobody knows except the Father. And he's not telling Jesus until he finally says, excuse me, excuse me that's not what he says. <laughs> he says, go get her. Go get her. And then he's coming. And there's going to be a shout and a trumpet. And he's coming down and we're going to be ever with him after that. And it's the beauty of it. But we, at this point in our time, in our lives, we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. And how do we prepare ourselves for the king? And this is another thing. We're not just marrying any guy. We're marrying the king. Sometimes I think we, and this is just a, a personal thing, but some of the things I've noticed over time within the church in general is sometimes we start getting a little, little slack in things. It's pretty easy to do. You know, we don't dress as nice. We don't take the time to prepare as much. We don't, we just kind of show up. Now, we all come to Christ dirty, and he washes us in the blood. But how do we show our respect for our husband? How do we show our respect for him? You know, I don't think we have to be in three-piece suits. Of course, I don't know. If Herb was here, we might have to wear tails. <laughs> but honestly, what are we doing to prepare ourselves? And the Scripture gives us very, very pointed things. We need to go out and minister to the lost. And we need to minister to the body. 
And we need to present ourselves as the bride of Christ. And how does that look? You know, if I was, if I was uh, in a position of great leadership and, and Luann was waiting for that time when, when I was done and we were going to come together as husband and wife, she wouldn't be running around in sackcloth. She'd be saying, hey, you know that guy over there? You know, the president of the bank? <laughs> that's, that's my husband. And I'm, I'm doing good. See, we don't, I mean, the Bible says we're not to put on adornments that say, hey, look at me. But what we do says, look at him. Everything we should do says, look at him. So we, we clothe ourselves with humility. We clothe ourselves with his grace. We clothe ourselves with mercy. And what does that look like to the world? That looks like comfort. People don't often hear that from us. They hear some rattling, but they don't hear because they don't see the bride. They just see a person. Hey, I'm a bride of the king. You want to come to the wedding feast? It's going to be good. It's going to be great. See, my, my husband is a king. And that dining room is going to be great. And the feast is going to be awesome. And there's a place for you. Not just at the table, but there's a place for you. It's at his right hand. It's at his right hand where I am already seated, but there's a place for you. Come on, don't be foolish. Have your lamps trimmed up, have your oil. Come, come. People need to see that, not just hear that. They need to see the bride. I tell you, in those days when, if it had been Luann, when she walked down the street, they'd say, yep, that's Rick's wife. There wasn't a matter whether she was living with me at the time because I was preparing. But they'd say, yeah, that's Rick's wife. She's preparing for him because she doesn't know when he's coming. See how nicely she's dressed? See, she's got her place in order. Every night she goes home and she prepares the things that he may come at any moment. And she goes and she prepares. I've seen her. I've seen her with that lamp on at 11 o'clock at night in there working on stuff. Preparing for her husband. You know, I heard that he's getting close. I'm heard that he's almost done. I'm hearing things. People are telling me, he's coming soon. He's coming soon. Invite Invite, because the feast is going to be great. He's coming soon. Are we ready for him? Are we ready for him? Are we prepared? 
Have we done our work? Have we been in the scriptures? Have we been in his, in his presence? Have we, have we had the Father pour into us his spirit and give us those directions and those guidances to go forth and to grow the body, to make the bride beautiful and full and complete, lacking nothing. That's the bride before the wedding. Full and complete, lacking nothing. Come. We have to have that attitude. She's out inviting her friends to the wedding. We need to be out inviting our friends to the wedding. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. We don't want to be on the outside looking in. You know, have you ever done that where you've gone by somebody's house and they left their windows open and they're having a good time and you just kind of say, huh, what's going on in there? <laughs> I've done it. <laughs> be honest with you, my, my nephew, his, his parents had gone through a, a divorce and it was, it was kind of a weird thing, but he never felt attached to me. He'd actually walk by people's houses that were having parties and he would stand outside and just watch because that was that's as close as he got to that. Well, let's open the doors. <laughs> I don't want anybody to walk by our wedding feast and say, well, you know, I'll just look in and see what it's like. No, come. Come. We are the voice of the king. You know, in, um, in Proverbs, in 30, Proverbs 31, when it talks about the Proverbs 31 woman, let's go there. Let's check on the bride. It's the Old Testament, right? This is something I, that just came to me, but it, it so fills. In verse 10, Proverbs 31.10, it says, Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies? Was there a price paid for us? Far above rubies. And the heart of her husband does safely trust in her, so he shall have no need of spoil. It says in, in the Amplified, the heart of her husband trusts in her confidently and relies on and believes in her securely so that he has no lack of honest gain or need of dishonest spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. Are we that? I mean, are we doing that in our own individual lives? She comforts, encourages, and does him only good as long as there is life within her. She seeks out wool and flax and works with willing hands to develop it. She is like the merchant ships loaded with the foodstuffs. She brings her household food from far, from afar. She rises up while it's still night and gets her spiritual food for her household and assigns her maids their tasks. That's our job. You read that Proverbs 31 woman, that's us. That's us. 
Everything in here is talking about where we are, that Jesus, can you imagine this? Jesus trusts in us confidently. He relies on and believes in us securely. He has no lack of honest gain. He loves us so much. She considers a new field before she buys it. You know, this is one of the things that, you know, she considers the field, not the husband. She's considering the field. The husband's providing the money, maybe, but she's considering the field. Are you considering your fields? Your fields are different than my fields, but it's the earth. You need to get out there and harvest some. We need to get out there and harvest some. We are in a place where if Jesus came tomorrow, who did we forget to talk to? Who did we put off? Which, heart, which field did we forget to get into or decide not to get into? I, I like what Pastor Sean said the other day. We can't decide for them. But if we don't tell them, we have. I don't know if I want to stand. I mean, I realize I'm going to stand before Jesus pure because of the, being washed in the blood, but I really don't want to stand before him and have to explain that, well, you know, it's kind of busy. And John over there was kind of not very nice that day, so I, you know, I just decided not to really talk to him about it. But now here I am, and John's there. There was a, and do this real quick here, but there was a, there's a play put on by the youth one time, and it, it, it changed me, and I'm, I wasn't a youth at the time. But, so this, these two kids are walking, and one's a Christian, one isn't a Christian. And one that's a Christian, he's given this, you know, he knows he's supposed to talk to his friend about being a Christian, and, and the guy, he never does. And then they're hit and killed by a truck. So they're, they're before the father. So he's up there as part of the bride. This other kid, he's not there. And so as they're going along, they're like in a courtroom. And the devil's over here. And Jesus is over here. And the devil says, this person isn't worthy. And he brings in this other kid that got killed. And this kid, he was supposed to talk to him and he didn't do it. He's not worthy. He let this person go to hell. And that kid looked at the other kid, and this is the part that this kid did it so well. He says, why didn't you tell me the anguish in his voice? Why? Bride? Why didn't you tell me and invite me to the supper? Why didn't you invite me into the family? Now, the beauty of it is this, this, this person was lost, but Jesus rode up and he says, you know, my blood was shed for this one. He's innocent. Bride, we got to be prepared. We need to be in preparation. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.